The rule of three states, things that come in threes are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With the next generation GMC Sierra, Canyon, and Sierra Heavy Duty, we couldn't agree more. Whether you choose to have the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate available only on the next generation GMC Sierra, to confidently take on heavy loads with the available 6.6-liter V8 Duramax turbo diesel in the GMC Sierra Heavy Duty, or to get behind the wheel of the only mid-size premium pickup on the road, the GMC Canyon, you'll realize all three help you do one thing, go professional grade. During GMC's truck month, qualified buyers can get 0% APR financing on most 2019 GMC Sierra and Canyon models. Truck month, like a pro, GMC. Excludes Sierra 1500 AT4 and Denali models and Canyon SL models. Length of contract limited. Some customers will not qualify. Not available with some other offers. Take retail delivery by 531.19. See dealer for details. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. So in this edition of the Tour Coach, I had the opportunity to sit down with one of the people I respect and admire a great deal in the industry that we're in of teaching golf. It's Brady Riggs. And one of the cool things about what we get to do is, and what I get to do is over the course of time and doing the radio show and teaching folks and traveling a little bit, I've had the opportunity to meet some folks that are great teachers, but they've become great friends. And Brady would certainly fall into that category. It's somebody that we have a similar outlook on teaching. We have a similar outlook on life and things that are important and the value of friendships and the value of relationships. I've got a daughter, Abby, that's 25, and she grew up and didn't get to spend a near enough time with her as I look back on it and probably wish I would have. And uh, she doesn't play golf, although she is coming to the U.S. Open with me, and we do tons of stuff now. But Brady, her daughter Maddie, is a really good player and plays just college golf. And so one of the cool things about being friends with him is I've gotten to become a fan of his daughter Maddie, as well as watched his player, Brandon Hagee, who is a great, powerful young player on the PGA Tour. And so I've become a fan of Maddie. I've become a fan of Brandon. And sitting and hanging out, with Brady is always interesting. It's always very introspective and it's always educational. And I think you'll like this talk that Brady and I had about golf, mentoring, coaching, fathering, and life. And I hope you'll get something out of it just like I always do. Hey everyone. If you like free golf gear and specifically vineyard vines, which is amazing stuff, we have a giveaway for you. First off, thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm really enjoying the tour coach and I hope that it's become part of your weekly routine as well. And we want to help more people find the show, but we need your help. Here's how. Post a screenshot of the tour coach podcast episode that you're enjoying the most and tag at golf science lab or Tony at the do sweeper Instagram or Twitter are the two places to do that. Post these photos of your favorite episode, tag us and you're entered to win a Dew Sweeper Vineyard Vines polo, and a $100 gift card for Vineyard Vines. Does it get any better than that? So help us share this show. You have two weeks to enter, so limited time. And the more times that you post, the more entries you get. Let's do this.
So sitting in with me here on the Lesson T on the Coach Podcast is somebody that, and it's been a long time of doing the radio show that I've gotten to know this guest. He's one of the great teachers in the game, and he's somebody that, of course, he's from the left coast, so I don't get the chance to see him. He works a different tour schedule than I do, but we run into each other. Always great to sit and have a beer with Brady Riggs. Brady, how you doing, bud? Tony, it is absolutely my honor to be on this with you. Fired up to chat as always. I'm doing great. Yeah, it's it, this is kind of fun, and and this is different for me. You and I talk so much off the you know radio and away from the golf course, like because it's not just doing a ten minute thing, just instruction. I mean, like you and I can really talk here about like what teaching and coaching tour players and life doing that's like. And I and I think people, you know, a lot of people. I mean, they they go to seminars and they see people present stuff. But like to me, Brady, that's not real golf coaching and that's not real golf teaching. You know, a seminar and a bunch of graphs and I mean, that's not making people better. You know how I am. I think you're the same way. I totally agree. I mean, I think that's, that's some dazzling with BS, you know. I mean, there's so much more involved with teaching anybody. I mean, you're in their personal life. You're trying to establish some trust and, you know, you got to be able to laugh at the right time. Try not to let them beat themselves up when it's going bad. And none of that is on a graph, you know. Right. It's all about, you know, just kind of helping somebody navigate because we don't know everything either. You know, we're we're often slightly guessing here and there and, and, you know, sharing strategies with each other on the phone. So that's all nice and everything, but nobody has all the answers. Anybody says they do, they do uh, they're lying. So let's talk your student on the PGA Tour currently, Brandon Hagee unbelievably talented guy you've taught him forever how long have you taught Brandon? we are 15 years in now amazing it's great i mean 15 years um you know i always every once in a while I'll do this on social media and you know i don't post hardly ever on social media but i like to post that my player missed the cut today <laughs> struggled didn't have it i had no answers it was a bad week because people are always you know, posting, I, I heard a comment, it's like they post their A side. You know, right. They're not putting their B side up. So they're not showing all the stuff that is happening that isn't going well. You know, and, and Brandon and I, I mean, I've been with him since he was 13 years old. And, and, you know, we've been through a life together, you know, adolescence, being recruited in college, playing college golf, turning pro, getting your tour card, injuries, all the stuff, you know. So we basically are much more like family than we are like student and teacher. And uh, it's been a, an incredible ride because we've been together so long and it's still frustrating for me and for him. You know, we still, we want him to play better and it's, you're just so invested with your players emotionally. It's tough. Thousand percent on the emotional investment. And I tell people sometimes, you know, sometimes I think I'm probably too much that way, but then I don't know that it would be the same experience and it would be the same result for the player if I wasn't, if I was just one of those people that didn't care as much and and didn't get so. I know you're the same way. I mean, you know, like we have to monitor that we don't refresh the app every two minutes to see what they're doing. And Totally. You know, and like, heck, you've been there for me when I've called and said, heck, I've had two guys fire me this week and, I mean, I'm destroyed and I've been there. I mean, I, we've talked when you've had, you know, somebody not playing well. And I mean, talk a little bit about it's different when they're an older player and you just kind of pick them up in their career. But when you've been with these guys for 15 years, I mean, it's a, like you said, you've been with them through all these things. Talk about a little bit about that journey and, 
And if you don't, I mean, let's talk. I mean, there's some highs that are just great, but then the lows are bad. Totally. I mean, the one thing I always told him, and especially his parents along the way, was nothing matters. You know, there's no such thing as a big tournament until you get to Q school. Mm -hmm. This is way back when he was 13 years old because they were like, well, he's got a big AJGA coming up. And it's like, no, there's no big AJGA. Nobody's going to remember this tournament. There's no big anything until you're playing for your job. And then all of a sudden it's big, you know, like it is big when you're at Q school, you know, and, and, and all those victories that you had in the past, they're great and everything, but they still don't, they don't just give you the card because your resume looks good. You right. got to go out and play for it. And then, you know, he, the first time he went to Q school, he struggled and, and barely got out of second state, think by a shot. And then, barely got his web status and it was it was tough he wasn't playing good at the wrong time you know and went out had a couple starts managed to string some good results together by the time you know he was in the middle of summer he had full web status he had played himself into and then got his card off the web from top 25 so it was a rough couple you know like year and a half of just trying to get him to go from you know being on the best college team they have had in a very long time to trying to earn his individual status in the PGA Tour. But I think there's that perspective from start to finish that, you know what, it's just golf and you can't put you can't put big on attached to anything. Because if you do and you don't succeed, then you're, you're heartbroken. And if you do succeed, you think that's it. And it just isn't because you know how we are in this game. We're only as good as our last shot. So to me in the transition like that transition from college golf to pro golf to me is something not a lot of people talk about but is way harder than anybody thinks it is and i mean there aren't very many jordan Spees out there right i mean or even justin thomas's and you know the hardest thing for me is to convince these guys that have been amazing like like brandon was an amazing college player and uh, or the the bobby wyatt's that i taught at alabama that when they go pro they don't like I find that they start feeling like they have to be better or do something different when really they've just, like to me, I've got to help them see that they've just got to get a little better at what they already do. It's so true. Like if they're on that level, they already can play golf. You know, that's already a done deal. So how do you help them get to that next level of just getting a little bit better? I mean, the thing most guys are doing, if they're really successful in college, they're probably better players as seniors than they were as freshmen. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're getting there. And they just have to keep that momentum going. And I think that's hard for some people. They they think, well, now i got to really get better. And i got to change this, change that. And it's just not the case. You know, you, you got to a really high level for a reason. Continue to just do the things you're doing. You're going to be successful. you got to continue to get better. And it, it does happen pretty naturally, I think. What did you do? to help in that? I mean, is there anything you said or you did or like, what was your thought process to help convey that? Cause I think that's hard for players and I think they've been so competitive and, you know, and then they go out there and they, you know, these guys get their first couple starts. And, you know, I remember walking the range and you, you're looking at a guy that you don't think, how is this guy any good? And he finishes 12th and the young guy misses the cut. You know, I mean, it's, it's so much more than golf swing. How did you help? How'd you help Brandon, and what was your philosophy for getting them to understand that? You know, just keep telling him that he's really good. You know, right? when he's struggling, I know you go through this all the time too, Tony. We, we have to keep convincing them 
look, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. You just need to keep doing it and not reset everything. You know, I mean, you know when something's not right, when they're playing poorly over a long period of time or hitting it bad on the face or not making good contact or the ball's double crossing. And then obviously we got to get in there and, and do some stuff. But I mean, sometimes you just hit the wrong club and hit the back bunker and three putt on a hole or takes that bounce. The next thing you know, you miss the cut and next week something else happens. And then you think, oh, I'm, I'm playing terrible. And it's really not the case, you know, and just trying to keep, I think my job as a coach is to keep the perspective, you know, help them keep perspective and then step in when I feel like, you know what, it isn't on track and, and we both can kind of feel that and we're going to have to make some changes to get things back into the right place. But, I think you can definitely try to learn yourself off the PGA Tour. <laughs> That's all-star <laughs> quote right there, Brady. I knew I'd get one out of you. I appreciate that. No, I mean, you, you can screw yourself, for sure. But how many people go out there and change their game, and then they're selling insurance in a couple of years? You know, that mm-hmm. happens more often than not. So I just want to be that. I want to be the, the steady, calm in the storm. You know, I want to be the guy that has the perspective and says, you know what, you're right. We need to do a couple things here or, dude, don't hit the panic button. Keep doing what we're doing. All right, everybody. Welcome back to our restaurant of the week with Tony. This week, if you happen to be in New Orleans at the Zurich Classic, Tony, where should everybody eat that week? You know, New Orleans is one of those places that there's, I mean, there's not a, a bad, I mean, there are bad spots, but there's so many good options. You know, my favorite, you know, my two favorite places are old school places. My favorite restaurant, if you go to my Instagram, you've seen me take pictures there a bunch of times, but I love Irene's Cuisine in in the French Quarter. Miss Irene there, it's, I mean, it's just old Creole, Louisiana with Italian influence, pretty small menu, had a great birthday dinner there. You know, the meatballs are phenomenal. Her meatballs that you can get as an appetizer. The sausage with peppers and onions as an appetizer is phenomenal. They always do a steak special. And, you know, I actually get, I don't always get chicken on the road, but rosemary chicken there, the chicken rosemarino is fantastic. And they have an unbelievable wine list and it's cool. And, you know, time to time, Miss Irene will come out and say hi and stuff. It's a it's a cool joint. A lot of history there. I, I love that spot. And you, you teased the second one there as well. What's what's our second choice? In uh, I'm a big steakhouse guy. So like old Dickie Brennan Steakhouse in the French Quarter. I love going there and I mean taking the guys there a bunch as well. Really cool spot. I mean, it's kind of, you go down, you kind of step down into it. It's got that dark steakhouse feel to it, you know. Really good flavor, good steaks, great wine list. You can get a good martini, you know, where one's not enough, but two's too many, you know. So, you know, I enjoy that and I enjoy my rum drinks there. Perfect. All right. Let's get back to the interview. So when you do feel like you need to step in, you know, when you get to that point and and we've all been there as teachers and coaches like, hey, there's some shit going on in here that isn't, you know, it's not what we want. Do you go back to the same stuff that you've, I, I'm, I'm guessing knowing you, like I did, like the things that you've worked on with Brandon and his tendency, you've always worked on. I mean, I don't think you show up at the range at a Byron Nelson or something and you say, let's try something different today. I mean, that's just not how it goes. No, it isn't. I mean, I think we're, we're fortunate because we have been together for so long and I have, I have video of him all the way through, you know, from junior golf through 
all the college golf and this entire professional career, I am I have video. So it doesn't mean that we say, well, this is how you swing the best and it's how you have to swing, period. Because we know the swing evolves as the player physically changes and, and you know, swings change. But we do know where he's been when it's been bad. And we have a pretty good idea of the, the places he's been when it's been really good. And we see some themes on both sides. And, I mean, I always try to let that dictate our next decision. You know, like, have you ever done this and been successful? And if the answer is no, then I don't want to do that. Because I know something that did work mm-hmm. really well. So why would I try something that I don't know if it's going to work? That doesn't make any sense. So, you know, we're really always trying to stay in certain spaces and keep certain what we call momentums for the club in place so that he feels like he can be athletic. Because when he's swinging well, it's going to go really far and it's going to go really high. And he can hit the ball as good as anybody I have ever seen. And I thought if we just keep it in good spots, we should see those things. Exactly. And he is. And you touched on a word, athletic. One of the things that I that I was fascinated about your teaching when we first met and got to talking was I love the fact that your players were athletic and that you, you know, you coached athletes. And I, and I think that that's certainly a recipe for more success for players. And it's certainly the, to me, the wave that golf is going, if you want to develop and coach the best players in the world is that they've got to be athletes. There's no doubt. I mean, the game is totally different from where it was and it's not just on the guy's side you know i mean the guys are obviously just i don't i can't even fathom some of the things i'm seeing so i'll give you an example yesterday i was with brandon in scottsdale and he had a 260 yard uphill shot so he's like well you know there's maybe a five yard tailwind we're in altitude because the three is just going to be too much and it wasn't the three wood it was the three iron so he hits four iron Straight up in the air, it lands It lands about a foot from the hole and rolls out to like 12 feet. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, you know, if you had a driver in 1985 from the same spot, I don't know how many guys would have flown it all the way. It's crazy what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the ball is just jumping off the club faces. It's shocking. And a guy that hits the ball, you know, at 118 miles an hour club head speed and watches it out there and rolls out to 300 after it flew to 283 or four or five. That guy's pretty long. Mm-hmm. He's not really long on the PGA Tour. No. You know, so the athleticism is, is just blowing out there, which is so fun for us as coaches to work with. When, uh, but I see it on the women's side. I mean, the, the women are just, they are so much better than they were 10, 15 years ago. And it's, it's fun. It's fun. The transition in the game is just awesome. I always think of my players like they're my own kids. I mean, or, and like you mentioned, Brandon's like family. And I think that the way you teach and the way you coach and is that way. And then, so one of the things that, and I wish, wish you put more of this on social media with more pictures of you in a hoodie, but the fact that you coach and you teach your daughter and Maddie has, you know, great soccer player. Now she's playing college golf and, I was fortunate enough to see kind of the early stages when she came and we did that camp together in Auburn, Alabama. But I think one of the cool things that you do is not only teach tour players, but now you've developed your daughter into an athlete 
and into somebody that's a hell of a player on the college level and what you do helping that golf team? No, I wish I could take a lot of credit, Tony. I swear, like, Maddie is easily a better golfer than I was. I mean, she hits the ball better than I ever did. I mean, I might have shot a few decent rounds, you know, here and there in some tournaments, but I never hit it as consistent as she does. It's just freaky to me. And she works unbelievably hard. And I have to say, like, working with the college team the last three years has been the single best thing for my coaching. Because it just reiterated to me and reaffirmed that you don't get better on the range. Mm-hmm. You learn mechanically on the range. But you can't learn how to play golf on a driving range. You just can't. you got to get on a golf course. I mean, being out there with the players and walking through the golf courses with them and helping them plan and what number to lay up to. Oh, it's a front hole location. I better know this before I tee off on the par five so I know where to put my second shot if I can't get there. And you know, where do I want to leave this? And how do you practice those specific chips from that area? I mean, those, the, the amount of things on the course are endless. And I think with my daughter, I was fortunate because she learned how to play golf on the course, not on the range. I mean, I, we were on the golf course all the time when she started to get serious because I felt like I had to fast forward the process, you know. So it's been awesome for my coaching. And like you, and I know we talk about this all the time, I learn a lot more from my players than I teach them. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have learned a lot from my own kids. I'm going to make you tell the story of the tournament. I believe it was in Hawaii where you walked the last few holes after she got off to a rough start and she had the putt on the last. Because I think that's, I mean, that's parenting and coaching at its best. Um, we were in Hawaii just recently for a college event and she played pretty decent the first couple of rounds. We'd come off a couple of really tough golf courses in Vegas and San Luis Obispo and she'd struggled for the first time all year. And we go to Hawaii. She, she plays pretty well the first round. She's 75 in some wind and second round on the 36 wasn't quite as good, but you know, still problems started off really good. So after a good start, you got the final round and she goes out and she triples the first hole. Hmm. So I'm not with her. Now knowing her, I guarantee you she's pissed off right there. <laughs> oh, she's, no question. she's not a happy camper at this point, you know, so she's not happy, but she tells me afterwards, she says, well, I tell myself that's fine. I can make another bogey or two. No big deal. And I can make a couple birdies. It's not, not a problem, you know? So she said, I'm trying to do the self-talk, you know, I'm trying not to get mad. So so she bogeys the next hole. And she goes, well, that, that's okay. I, I can make another bogey. You know, I, I gave another bogey. I can make one more bogey. That That's no big deal. You know, I, I'm good. And then she bogeys the next hole. And now she's five over through three. And she tells me, she was walking off the green. She said, she said she told herself, well, I can't make another bogey now. That's it. I guess I can't do that. So, and I'm looking on golf stat, right? Because like, <laughs> you can see the scores. I'm just like, can we just restart this round or maybe they got the scores wrong and something bad happened, right? So she strings a few pars together and I pick her up on a par three at about her fifth or sixth hole. And, and I look at her and I go, okay, you know, I, I saw the scores. Don't sweat it. She's like, well, because I hit it, I pulled it into the, you know, i missed the fairway, which I never do. I punched down into a divot and she has a bad wrist, so she can't get out of the divot. So she kind of punches a hybrid. It goes into a hole. You know, it's one thing led to another, whatever. So I told her, I go, you know, look, you're hitting it good. Just got to string some pars together. No big deal, you know. So she she gets up and down on a hole, makes a few pars. Next thing you know, she's made nine pars in a row. I see her tee off on this par three, and she hits it maybe to three or four feet. She makes birdie. Pick her up on the next hole in the fairway, and I hadn't been with her for a while, and she was, you know, out, out of the last ten holes, she was one under, and I was telling my head coach, I'm like, are you sure you want me to go over there? I, I feel like, you know, maybe I should leave her the heck alone. She's really good. 
She's like, no, I'll go, hey, go hang out with her. I'm like, okay. So I go over. She's got like a 70-yard shot into a par five, and she's a fabulous wedge. It's her strength. She's like, you know, I got it going. This is a good yardage for me. She hits it maybe maybe 30 yards. Totally chunks it, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. That's my fault. I should have never showed up. She hits that to about eight feet, makes it. Chips in on the next hole for birdie. And finally, we get to the last green and walking down to the green. And I didn't know at the time, but I thought she was close to having the low score for the team, which would have been her first time. And I said, hey, you know, I usually wouldn't tell a player this, but if you make that birdie putt, I think you're going to tie for low on the team. And we're walking down. She goes, well, let's just go make the putt then. I'm like, all right, let's go. We get down there. We read it. I have it about two balls out. She's got it about a cup out. She says, no, I like the cup. I'm like, Maddie, it's two balls. Like, it's a cup. I go, Mo, it's two balls. She goes, well, if I miss it, it's your fault. I'm like, naturally. Of course. Of course, always is. Always my fault. So she's got it maybe 12 feet for birdie, and she, of course, puts it right in the middle of the hole. And just Tony, like that moment, you know, yeah, it didn't matter. She wasn't winning the tournament or anything, but she was five over after three and shot 75. You know, and the comeback was awesome. But the look on her face of just joy, that moment is why we come. And if you have it with your own kid every once in a while in the course, God, it's so cool, man. You know, so that That's gets awesome. me up in the morning, and it makes me sad when she plays poorly. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's the ride, dude. It's the ride of being a coach. It's great and exhilarating and horrifying and sad, and, and it never gets boring. I told somebody this, it was a month or two ago, you know, so the off season comes and like, you know, by the time, you know, the tour year is so long, right. You know, he rolls into fall and, and then, you know, we get there and, you know, you get that month or so off and you're so ready to be off. But then Brady by January, then I'm really itching to get back out there and for that ride to start again. You know, it's a sickness I have. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's almost like you're abusing yourself when you're mm-hmm. doing because you know it's going to suck, right, at times. I and mean, there's going to be a lot of bad moments. It's not like, you know, if you're a bad team in, in another sport and you win half the game, it's a pretty mediocre season. You still won half the time, you know. Right. 50% of the time, you're like, hey, we won today. You never win sometimes in golf. You know I mean? It's like so infrequent when you're talking about the highest level. You have to take the victory as like, hey, you know, you made three cuts in a row. You're, you're doing good. It's just not a good dialogue. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of pain with the game, but because it's so hard and takes so much of your soul to do it well, it makes the little victories incredibly rewarding. And then when you do have those moments, like Maddie had when she made that putt for me, that I mean, I hate to say the cliche, but it does kind of make it all worthwhile. You know, I mean, that's why we're there for sure. Has teaching Maddie and seeing her success and and being part of that has it changed, helped? affect the way you teach Brandon? I mean, did you take some from both and apply to the other, or how is that factored in? Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's a really good point, Tony. Like, the way Brandon practices is amazing to me. You know, I mean, his the organization, how he's hitting every part of his game, how he tries to analyze the places that he's not as good and why he's not as good and translate that into his next practice. I mean, that's something I've really tried to do more and more the last years as a golf coach, but it's I do it all the time as a soccer coach because I've been doing that for almost 20 years. Is you know if We suck on a certain part of the field or in a certain type of play, whether it's a corner kick or whatever, then we work those specific things. You know, It just makes sense. 
And I, I think in golf, you know, we're getting way better at the analytics and looking at the data and, and getting better at helping people. So the work he puts in and the practices he has definitely translate over to me helping Maddie. But by the same token, like Maddie plays the game so differently than Brandon. You know, like if Maddie hits 12 out of 14 fairways, she'll come off the course and go, I hit the driver terrible today. <laughs> and if Brandon hit 12 out of 14 fairways, we'd, we'd, we'd throw a party, you know. Right. <laughs> Completely different players. Like Maddie's never getting to par fives and two, ever. You know, so everything's planned out. She has to land the ball in certain spots to run it up onto certain greens on certain holes because, you know, it's, she said, you're no longer clubbing. Brandon in his life has never played a hole where he said, wow, this hole's kind of long for me. Right. It just never has happened. You know? So they're coming from different places, but the thing Maddie does is she's patient. You know, she knows she's not going to. You know, get to the par five. She's you know she's not going to stuff it. You know, shot over two hundred yards into a back hole location. So she plays intelligently and she's smart. And I, you know, Brandon needs some of that. He needs some of that. Maddie needs some of the aggressiveness. You know, they're, they're the game can be played well many many different ways. And just like you can swing the golf club well many many different ways. And the best thing we can provide as a teacher is finding each person's way to do both. You know, how can this person swing the best for them? And how can I help them play the best for them? And it isn't a one-way fits-all. No, that's the thing I like the most about working with both of them, because they're on either end of the spectrum. And then they play together, Tony, and the best part is the amount of trash talking that comes out of both of them. <laughs> you know, no, I can imagine. They're both just run. And it starts usually with Maddie. It's with Maddie. So we were at Sherwood about, uh, I don't know, six months ago, and we're on the course, and they're, Brandon termed their front nine a pillow fight because neither of them was playing very well. So we got to like the 12th hole, which is the single, 13th hole, the single worst hole for Maddie to talk any trash on because it's back up into the wind. It's a long par four. There's water right. And, and Brandon said something, and Maddie goes, well, you can't even beat me, so I don't know what you're worried about on the tour. You got no chance. So something along those lines. And Brandon looked over at Maddie like, did you really just say that? <laughs> And I looked at Matt and I'm like, you picked a bad whole kid to be running your mouth. So, and they were just obviously screwing around, but it was great, you know. So they both have that fight and a competitive spirit that just, I don't know, makes me want to get out of bed. Well, and as we wrap it up, I, you know, I think, you know, listening to you talk about Brandon and the journey and then listening to you talk about your daughter and developing her and her journey and how you've, you know, how they learn from each other and how you've learned from them. I also know that, I mean, you have that same joy and that same passion with every junior or every person that comes to see you on the tee. And it's not about putting a, it's not about putting something out on Instagram or on Facebook about to make you look cool or to make you look smart. It's about genuinely caring about the person in front of you and helping them find a way to do something that they want to do. Totally is, man. I mean, if I, Somehow hit the lottery, even though I don't play it. It makes it a little harder, I think. That <laughs> certainly reduces your odds. Yeah, it reduces my odds, I think. Yeah, man, like, if I did, I'd still teach. Maybe I wouldn't teach all of the people I teach. But I'd <laughs> be still a couple that get weeded out. There'd be a couple that yeah, get weeded out. We won't mention their names, <laughs> but, but I definitely would still teach because, I mean, I love it. I love it. It's I'm out there, like, I love golf. You know, if I get a chance to go chip 
at the end of the day on the course, I'm out there. You know, even if it's freezing cold and drizzling a little bit, which happens unfortunately every once in a while here in SoCal, I'll find my way. Hey, you know, I feel play three holes before I have to go home. You know, or this person wants to stay. Yeah, grab your clubs. Let's go. We'll go banging around for a few holes. I want to see what you're doing on the course. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't have to do that. And I don't do it because it makes me look better as a teacher. I do it because I love to do it. And that's the difference. That's why you're good at it. Brady, this has been awesome sitting down. One, I, I enjoy it anytime we get to do it, whether it's over a beer or, or sitting down for this podcast. I always learn something myself. And you always have been great at making me feel good when I've felt like I've been kicked in the gut a few times, which we do in this business. And I appreciate uh, you taking the time and the friendship over the years and can't wait to sit down and do it again. Hey, man, you know the feelings mutual, Tony. I, I appreciate your friendship and there's not enough really great guys in the game. And we're, we both are fortunate to know a few and, and you're on the top of my list. So. Thank you. I look forward to catching up soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast, you can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. There's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Dew Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Dew Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors, Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dosweepersgolf.com or you can always check me out on Instagram at the Dewsweeper.